and welcome to the Event Safety Podcast. I'm Danielle Hernandez. I'm Steve Edelman. And today, guys, we're doing a USITT recap. It is conference season. All the conferences that haven't happened in the last two and a half years have all been happening this month, which has been great and a little bit tiring. So we have a really special guest with us today. Steve, take the introduction away. It is our friend David Grindle, who who is sitting back in his easy chair in his office in Syracuse, New York, luxuriating in the the warm glow of being- Of the the after. after. The after glow. (laughs) He looks sated. He takes naps every day and- and, Oh, eating bonbons and having a lovely life. He's wearing a festive bow tie today. <laughs> Always, you know, it was, I, I almost went with, the, there was a whole series of bow ties that are prints of communicable disease molecules. Oh, good. I almost went for that, for the conference. You don't own those. I don't, You're lying. I almost bought them just for the conference, but then I <laughs> So, so let's let's get that out of the way. David Grindle, was USITT at the Baltimore Convention Center last week? Was it a super spreader or not? We have no reports of any super spreading of COVID-19 or COVID-related uh, illnesses from our conference. Congratulations. Podcast <laughs> listeners, you should hear the sound of of, of like party, yeah, <laughs> deep exhales of relief, and, you know, party horns blowing, and you know people cheering in the background. Maybe Jacob will insert some of these these funny sounds because that's no yeah. small thing. How many people did you have? So we had uh, thirty seven hundred registrations for this event, which coming out of the pandemic. Um, who knew what we were going to see? Um, I think what, what's really scary, uh, from an event management standpoint is that, uh, the pandemic has changed the definition of last minute. Yes. Two thirds of our registrations came in the last four weeks before the event. So if you're an event producer and you're looking at registration income and you're used to seeing this nice little steady curve and Mm -hmm. and not being nauseated that you're going to be losing money on contracts left and right, get the Omeprazole, buddy, get the Tums, get everything you can (laughs) because those registration dollars are coming in at the last minute. Yes. David, did USITT, sorry, Danielle, did USITT do any kind of incentives to bring in early registration? We did, we did. And so, um, and we got about 700 uh, early registrations, uh, which we were were really pleased with. Um, But the numbers we saw still came at the end. Still came. I've seen that with ticket sales as well for events. People are waiting, the risk of the, turbulence of the pandemic is outweighing uh, making plans too far in advance. Well, hopefully, and we, were already, uh, we were already a society that was turning away from buying a ticket. You know, we were getting away from ticket subscriptions and things like that. And now you got to, oh, holy crap, what if Netflix drops a new show that everybody wants to watch and you lose to a binge watch moment? That's, uh, 
you know, those are the things we're now having to compete against with live events. So we had the registration piece and, and coming in at the end and, and a bunch of the stress that went with that. You guys also had a bunch of, of COVID policies for the event itself, some of which changed <laughs> a couple of times. <laughs> so to be fair, our policy never changed because one of the things that I, uh, I worked with and our board agreed with was the fact that we're a theater association. So why in God's name are we going to set policy on healthcare? So USITT's policies were always based on policies driven by the CDC um, or a city health department. So we had two big policies. Uh, we said that we would follow the CDC's uh, recommendations as far as who could get into the conference if you could get into the United States. And so the only uh, adaptation we went with there is that you could have uh, uh, fully vaccinated as, as recognized by World Health Organizations. You could have a note from the doctor uh, saying that you had recovered within the last 90 days, or you could show up with a negative test. Um, the only, and so we had that policy and followed basically uh, Customs and Border Patrol and CDC there. And then the other policy that we said is that we will follow the policy of the health department of the city of Baltimore. And the health department of the city of Baltimore is one of the most conservative health departments in America. They work hand in glove with the folks over at Johns Hopkins. And so, yes, did I get roasted because we changed our policy about masking on March the 1st for an event that opened on March the 2nd. And we, we said we'd go with the city. And what I found in the end was people showed up and I would say 80% of our folks wore masks the whole time. I saw that too. Yeah, I so was super I. impressed. And yeah. you know what? There was a comfort zone and I would watch people without a mask go, oh, you want a mask on? Cool. And they'd put a mask on and we'd have a conversation and things like that. And other groups of people are like, oh, we're all good with being unmasked. Cool, we're good with each other. Um, and people were respectful of each other's choices. And that was really exciting to see. And so um, we followed those rules. Um, we did uh, have things spread apart a little bit more. Um, you know, we had uh, the thing that, that lots of folks are talking about, our various labs. Uh, the lab spaces were spread. I did not know in 2017 when we signed those contracts that we would need that much floor space to separate things. We thought we were going to do some other stuff with it. Turns out it worked beautifully for separating labs out, giving lots of airspace. And even when um, I, I had an exhibitor ask me some questions, uh, when the mask rules changed from the city. And I came back and I said, we have 250,000 square feet of floor space. I can get you the cubic square footage if you like, but I can tell you we've only got 3,000 people in that much air exchange. And here's what the convention center has done for their air exchange. And we always went back with science. And that's what I, I'm really pleased that USI ITT attendees were all 
responsive to, ah, that's what the science says. Because I wouldn't let a doctor tell us how to hang and drop. So <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to share with us about the COVID piece of the thing? Because I want to go back and touch on that lab thing again. <laughs> um, you know, the COVID thing was interesting because you could feel it interweaving through things. It, it was interwoven into some of the topics that people wanted to discuss at the conference. Um, it, was, um, it was very much a presence, but the thing I loved, loved more than anything else was that by God, people were happy to be in three dimensions together again. Y'all are wonderful people, but we're all staring at each other in two dimensions on a screen right now. And we're tired of this. We understand why we have to do it. Mm -hmm. But the opportunity to be together again is coming together and to see the joy on people's faces. Even, even if you weren't a handshake or a hugger or whomever and everyone was giving everybody their space there. Can I give you a hug? Can we shake hands? Oh, we're going to bump elbows. It was just the fact that we could do that in three dimensions was insanely wonderful. I, I just have to, to yes. I, I saw people I haven't seen in several years and, and the hug game was strong as long as they were, it, that was my favorite part of the whole thing is I got just got to see some of my nearest and dearest that I haven't seen in a long time. And yeah. I saw that all across my time at USITT. So that was wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I as a presenter, oh my God, it was so great to see people's reactions in the <laughs> flesh, you know. In the flesh. Three-dimensional smiles, you know, I could see people giggling off to the side. And, you know, I was primarily focused into the middle of the room, but out of the corner of my eye, I saw other stuff that you would never notice if it was just a Zoom call wow, is it great? And, you know, ripple effects of people responding to things and you could have a whole interactive, you know, people asking questions in the back, which is how my room was, you know, somebody asked a bunch of good questions from the very back of the room and then people towards the front were answering and there was this whole conversation across space and time, just like it used to be. And it was cool. <laughs> So, um, I've been going to USITT for an embarrassingly long time. <laughs> so, and I thank you for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have noticed it changing and I've been Good. Just, just thrilled with the changes. Um, and one of them you mentioned before, and I'd love, love to talk more about that. I, th I think there's always been something of a hands-on portion to USITT, but holy cow, it, it went to 11. Those uh, lab spaces? Technically it went to 12 because we had 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's not the same movie. Uh, anyway. I, I know, but I, 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 I'll, I'll see your, your uh, Final Tap reference and correct. And, and, and <laughs> <laughs> but they were amazing and when I first walked into that portion, I was confused because I was like, I thought I was going into the exhibit hall and I was like, that's not what I'm looking at. And then I I figured it out 
Uh, and then I was like, wow. And it was all different disciplines of technical theater in this, this space. And I was just awestruck. And some of that stuff is like, I'm never in my life going to be a scenic painter, but look at the techniques and the. Oh my Lord. I, it, so I have to, I have to say thank you to a lot of people to, to Christine Trocher, our director of education and training to Jody Harris, our uh, expo sales manager, and to so many others to the commissions who helped put those things together. Uh, when we dropped this idea last year, you could, people, what? What? You know, you could, this was, this was, this was really a confusing moment for a lot of people because it was completely out of the ordinary. Um, but again, we've all sat here and stared at each other. We desperately wanted to learn something that's tactile. Yeah. And yeah. what was really fabulous with that um, is that, that we got people on board who were like, oh yeah, we could do. And then they would start running and I, I would actually have to pull them back. People would come to me and go, there is a budget. <laughs> but there's a budget, you know. Um, but what was really wonderful is we had some folks come in, you know, we had scene painting, which I'll sit and watch for days because I can't, and therefore I'm always amazed at what scenic painters do. Um, but then we also had uh, VR and we had digital media and we had two different lighting labs and uh, two different sound labs and hands-on props and hands-on costuming and our great joys. You know, you, you can only imagine as a group dedicated to safety, the hoops that were jumped through and the approvals necessary to get a welding truck yep. onto the expo hall. And we had over 120 people learning to weld over the two and a half days they had access to it. I could tell um, you if I had any more time, I would have been in that truck. <laughs> and, and today we figured out how to double the number of people we were moving through it. So if we can do it again, we can get twice as many people through it. You know, and, and that was from the tenacity of people who were like, no, we've got to get an opportunity for hands-on learning. Yeah, experiential and learning. Everything. And it's so much fun. And, and then the other fun part, as you were noting, Danielle, Christine came into my office one day and she went bleachers. I can rent bleachers. Did you know you can rent bleachers? And we put bleachers next to all the labs and people who couldn't participate were sitting, listening to the, the instructors teaching. It was just so much fun. And bleachers, oddly enough, are not that expensive to rent in the world of live events. <laughs> They had never delivered to the inside of a convention center before and they were a little confused, but that's all right. I think they had freshly come off of a little league field or something. Um, and the poor, the guy running the, the, the welding truck, you know, we backed him in, got him spotted and he looks and he goes, we had the, because we already had the, the rigging lab up and he goes, what have I agreed to come to again? <laughs> And at the end of day one, he asked us, where's your next show? Because I'll drive a long way to get to be part of this. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah, it was really great. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I loved those labs. It, it, it was incredible. And again, if I'd had more time, I would have spent a lot of time in that area. Um, as I said, anytime I walked through, I was 
totally looky-loo every direction. <laughs> um, I'll say I noticed, um, all right. I noticed that sessions are slightly different too. In the past, um, I would find a lot of sessions that were primarily aimed at either students or designers mm-hmm. and, uh, and both those completely valid. Um, however, I noticed this time there were a bunch of sessions that were production and technicians and, and uh, also the communities that, you know, the electrical groups and, and all that. And I was like, there were so many things that were all happening at the same time. I was like, why not go that and that and that. And uh, I thought that was fantastic. Have, have you changed? Was it just a coincidence or have you changed how you select sessions too? No, it, it's really a concerted effort to find some balance. Mm-hmm. You know, USITT is... Um, USITT is a like swimming in a in, in a Caribbean reef because you just have species after species of people, but they're all fish. And so you want to have something for every one of the fish. And that's tough because we've got people at different levels of their their uh, career path, you know, and, and people will always come to me and say, USITT, it's well, that's about students. Yeah, when did you quit learning? Yes, it's about students because we're all lifelong learners. This industry is changing. We all need new skill sets. And so um, having something that appeals to all the skill sets, that appeals to the different different areas that we all practice in technical theater, but also looking, trying to find uh, sessions that look at an intersection of those areas, that look at how we work together, um, you know, in the, in the great technical term of systems integration. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where we're really shooting for is how do we integrate across our disciplines uh, rather than get into our little silos and peer at each other and wonder if you have any interest or do I have any interest in going near someone who does what you do. Um, so it, it has been a, a concerted effort across a lot of different uh, constituencies to try to have a a broader point of view being presented well i personally think it's fantastic uh as i said you know i had i had an abundance of options (laughs) good you know we pay a ton for the algorithm that makes all the crap you want to go to happen at the same time i wasn't yes (laughs) runs into the same thing you know when it's the most expensive part of, of programming a conference is figuring out how each individual person, how to know what they want to do and then program them against each other. I was actually delighted to have so many choices uh, yes, because it, it's sometimes an it's of riches. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was, I was quite thrilled. Um, I was mildly terrified that there were 21 or 22 sessions counter-programmed against the one that I led. I thought I was going to be, you know, talking to crickets as it turns out uh, there were plenty of people in my room too so i guess edelman you're a rock star everybody's coming to your room yeah 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 whatever um but what one of the things that i wanted to mention is even just the layout of the common areas you know where there was food or beverage or just seating lent itself to people mixing with each other and you know so my first reaction was how great is it to be on stage looking at people's faces? But at the same time, 
I was also just walking around getting into the kind of casual conversation that makes going to a conference worthwhile. It's yeah. not listening to some fool on stage. It's, you know, impromptu conversations with peers or friends or, you know, whoever. It's that stuff that you can try to program, but it just happens organically. Yeah, that was one of the big things when we did the, the programming changes that you saw. And, and, you know, when you haven't done a conference in three years, because, you know, we, we had 2020 taken right out from underneath us, um, we were willing to try some things. And we did try some things that were brilliant. And we tried a few things that we have already promised we will never do it that way again. Um, but the big thing that we went for was every night, we called it four nights of networking because we haven't seen each other. And the Baltimore Convention Center with those two uh, long promenades on the second and third floors, but you could easily mingle between the two. Um, that was incredible. Friday night at the Maryland Science Center. Oh my Lord, we have photographic proof of some of the things people were doing. Yes, I might have ridden a mechanical bull because we raised some money in St. Louis. I was watching people going back to their childhood who we raised no money for it. It was beautiful. It, it was, it was so fun. And it, you, you could tell it was a bunch of theater people. Cause everybody's like, yeah, I'm going to pull that thing or climb on that thing or, Oh yeah. It was just like, Oh, and in all ages. And, and that oh, was the yeah, one time that you and I crossed paths was when you kicked me out of the dinosaurs at the end of the night. You're like, I you got to get out. Well, I literally, we rent the evening. And they got to turn this place back over to a safe place for small children after we <laughs> God only knows who left a drink. Well, we'd never leave a drink behind, but there was probably a, a, a piece of food left somewhere that some kid found the next day. And I've never had to kick people out of a venue. You but did it very nicely. So much fun. Well, when you keep, when you keep yelling, you've got to go drink somebody else's beer. <laughs> um, you know, people gently would move. But yeah, it was just, it, it was a great thing. And I think that we'll see that come back again. You know, for some reason, we got this in our heads that we needed to be programmed from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. And, and, and no, part of, as you said, Steve, part of the joy of going is having the time to talk to somebody, having the time to meet a new friend or connect through friends or do any of those things so that that unstructured time is just as an important part of an event as structured time. Yep. And we really saw the positivity of that this year. So, and yes, if you have been to, if you were with us in 2016 um, and we're going back to St. Louis in 2023, yes, today is the day I could call and put in a request to reserve the city museum for our Friday night party. That's um, my favorite place. <laughs> I have more people coming up to me saying, are we going back to the city museum? If we're going back to the city? Like, yes, you'll, I'll be strung up if I don't. Wait. So for, for people like me who have not any idea what you're talking about, what are you talking about? <laughs> what is this city museum in St. Louis and why is it so fun? City okay. Museum everybody Google like, it. <laughs> The city museum and, and, and 
Google City Museum St. Louis, because if you Google thecitymuseum.org, it brings up a museum in Kathmandu. Found that out when I went this morning to try to reserve the space. But uh, St. Louis City Museum is like a children's museum and a folk art, pop art museum had a baby. And so like you go through the cave exhibit and the caves have all been done in crystal mosaics by an artist. Um, you, it is the coolest place it's and it has like place. a, what is it, Danielle, a five or six story, story slide. slide. Yes. And it's, yeah. it, it's a bunch of repurposed materials. There's a plane, there's a bus, you can climb through everything. It has an adult-sized McDonald's, you know, the thing that everybody the, the had Big children Mac that thing. you had to go drag your kids out of. Um, you can get, they have an adult-sized one. So yeah, you can go do these things. There's a water thing with a giant, you, you can you say it's a fish, the, you got to, you just got to go. You just got to, <laughs> you got to love City Museum. And it, it is, you know, when we do that party every year, we try to find a place that that is unique, that that you will always think, oh, that was that place, that was in that city. And um, I can tell you that the two <laughs> cities in 24 and 25, we probably spend more time on a site visit at a city looking for that event space than we ever do. Because I can walk into a convention center and go, checklist, do you have these things, these things, these things, these, great, we can do this. Now take me to a place where we can have a party. <laughs> So, All right, well, I'm thrilled that we're going back to City Museum because, you know, that, that, that gets me there hands down. And probably a cool. lot of a lot of the other people that have ever heard of City Museum are also cool. bring, bring a Steve. ticket. <laughs> bring Steve now because he'll never he'll he'll just walk around amazed the whole time. Yes, he will. <laughs> well, I, and I'm also feeling kind of validated um, with our event safety summit, which is I don't know when this podcast is going to drop, but, you know, roughly during our summit. We just skipped the convention center and went directly to the place where we party. <laughs> <laughs> if I could, I would. Again, we, as much as we're, we are about interactions and people. And we have been away from each other, trapped away from the ability to do the art and the, and the jobs we love. Trapped with people we love most of the time <laughs> and needing to be back together is so important and i i fully understand and respect the people who aren't comfortable with that yet but when you're comfortable i can tell you that people will be greeting you with open arms because we miss each other and we didn't realize truly how much we did. I, I'll, I've been blunt and honest about a, a moment on Wednesday evening before we opened. We finished the rehearsal of the opening event and um, I just sat and I looked at a bunch of people and I started crying because I, I, part of me wondered would I ever get to see that again? Would I ever get to have that moment of knowing we were about to bring this to people who love it? people whose lives are fed and filled off of events like this and, and knowing the love and care of all the people who put everything into making it happen, all of the speakers, all of the contractors, everybody 
And I literally just sat there and sobbed because we did it. I didn't know what the rest of the week was going to be. Therapy animals to open our trade show, people loved it. There's a, I now know that if I'm ever a Bond villain, I get ferrets because they, <laughs> I had a picture of me looking way too happy to have ferrets crawling all over my suit. Um, Note to Jacob, show notes. We need a picture of David Grindle wearing ferrets. Oh, it, it's on social media. Jacob. I've seen it. <laughs> It's on social media, or if you want the high-res version, just call our marketing people. They'll be happy to share it. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I just, we are human beings are meant to be social people. And, and we're meant to make sure that people can be human while being safe. And... Um, it's coming again. It takes some people willing to be risky. And it was risky and it was scary. At the height of Omicron, I answered a few phone calls. Are you really going to do this show? Yes, we're going to do this show. I kept looking at data from places like South Africa that had been ahead of us on the curve. So I had some hope and feeling that with our higher vax rates here in this country, we might get ahead of that curve a little bit. And I kept going back to that. It's data. Data tells me we'll be okay. Yeah, right now, data tells me we're in a hot mess of a nightmare in January. But data tells me we're going to be okay. And the, it was a risk, and the risk paid off. Um, and, and again, I, I have nothing but thanks. You know, you laugh about, I, I look, I'm, I'm relaxed. I'm in, in all of these things. I am because the team of people who made it happen were amazing. And I will never be able to thank them enough for making it happen. And to every person who attended, I can never thank them enough because we can plan all we want, but it's kind of like my mother bought a ticket to watch me stage manage once. After that, it really needed to be a good show. And Oh, that hurts because that that matches my life experience as well. <laughs> oh, you're gorgeous. My mother's like, why didn't I see you? Yeah, nothing went wrong, Mama. It's all a good reason you don't see your baby as a stage manager. Um, sorry, got really southern. I was talking about my mother. Uh, <laughs> uh, but really, without the attendee, what's the point? Right. And, and so to all those, and if you couldn't make it for whatever the reason was, please know we can't wait to see you the next time. Because, you know, USITT, we, we, we work to make a bigger table. And there's always a seat at the table for you. So, yeah, please come, 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 come. Come to, to the Event Safety Alliance. Come interact and know that we're here to support each other through things. Well, that's, that's all beautiful. And now I'm all teary-eyed, but fortunately no one can see that because it's audio podcast. Ah, um, uh, the beauty of it. <laughs> I will say that a lot of what you described uh, matches our journey with the ESA in planning our summit. You know, we had some really hard conversations in December, January. I was like, do we, you know, are we going to get enough registrations? Are Is it going to be reasonable to do this? And the numbers and the science were like, it looks like we're going to be okay. Let's let's continue to go forward. And now 
again, I don't know when this is going to come out, but we're recording this the week before the summit. And there's a whole list of people. I cannot wait to see them because, you know, they're, they're the event safety family and I've missed them desperately. So I, I just, I'm just thrilled to pieces uh, because, you know, I've had people that, that I've met a couple of times that are like, I cannot wait to be with, with my people, so to speak. And, and we're going to be all, we're all in a bunch a, of unicorns. We are a bunch <laughs> of freaking unicorns where we live. And so when you can finally herd us into one spot, how can you not love it? Yep. I absolutely. do have one more shout out though, which is a huge thank you to the city of Baltimore and to the convention center and the hotels that we used because those four hotels, the convention center worked with us, renegotiated a whole bunch of contracts from 2017 when we were a very different event. And if they had not been willing to renegotiate those contracts, we would have never been able to go forward. And they understood that we were going to do the best we could to bring the group of people, but it wasn't going to be what we thought it might be. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, we would have never made it without the convention center, uh, the Sheridan, the Hyatt, the Renaissance and the Marriott. They were incredible partners in making it financially possible for us to bring people together. And I owe them a huge, huge shout out along with the team at Visit Baltimore uh, because that's, it takes all of us to bring together. And they all had decent revenue in their bars. I've already found out. <laughs> Imagine that. So that's a shocker. Um, so I'd like to, to pivot to like one specific thing that, that I was a part of this time uh, was some of the conversations that are happening now about the high school technical theater stuff. Yeah. Uh, the backstage exam and uh, one of the panels that I was on, we were talking about safety and, you know, cause I'm a safety geek. We were talking about safety in high schools. So can you talk a little bit about that? So yeah, the high school world, um, it, it's fascinating. When, when you grind to a halt in the, in, in the pandemic, you, you finally don't have, the, well, we don't have time to take up that conversation because you got all the time in the world. Um, and, and we have always had a really great, small dedicated group focused on high schools. Um, but it was really during the pandemic that we were able to come around and put a little deeper attention to it. Uh, and part of that is because there, there's some push. We had, um, we had a team reach out to us from the California Department of Education, Arts, Media, and Entertainment Division of Career and Technical Education. So if you're not an education person, Career and Technical Education, CTE, uh, if you are of a certain generation that remembers cartoons of the 70s and earlier, um, we called it Botech or, or Shop or any of those things. Well, now it all comes under the umbrella of Career and Technical Education. AME, Arts, Media, and Entertainment, is a unit of that. And that's where technical theater education falls. And suddenly, um, our partners at Educational Theater Association, the people that run the thespians societies, um, you know, they said, we do really well with actors. We don't do so well with technical students. Um, and could we partner together? And so we built this partnership um, at, led by, by Dana Taylor and Christy Ross Clausen and a few others, um, where we adapted some of the work they had done with ESET 
into an exam for high school students. That is, what is the basic knowledge we would expect a technical theater high school student to be able to walk out with? Okay, stop. Yes. Tell, tell everyone what ESET is, because ah, they ESET. may not know. Essential Skills for Entertainment Technicians. This was a program that, that was gifted to us from the ESTA Foundation when they turned their sites towards supporting behind the scenes. Um, and it was originally designed, uh, if you get Bill Price, of, uh, who was part of the, the group leading ESET, he always talked about it was designed for Miss McGillicuddy, the high school teacher, to make sure she knew the words to use. And well, Ms. McGillicuddy lives on in the backstage exam uh, because this exam, which is a, an online knowledge base, there's about 450 questions that 100 are pulled from, uh, that the questions were written by uh, professionals and, uh, that are in the industry so that we're using industry specific terms, but there were also high school teachers engaged so that we're making sure we're actually at that level. Um, we put this exam together and it is step one towards opening up CTE funds for high schools that use it. So there is special funding to buy equipment for career and technical education that comes from the US Department of Labor called Perkins money. Oh, the things I never knew I would have to learn with my two music degrees. Um, and CTE funding is huge. And that's where technical theater falls. So we're working with California, Texas, New Jersey, and a few others to really get this, this backstage exam rolling as part of outreach because we realize that you, a culture of safety is a great culture to teach high school students um, because whether they become theater professionals or not, if you're engaged in theater, kids who are engaged in the arts, we all know, do better. They are often the one place where you can go and find people who accept you for who you are. And if you're a technical theater student, I, I always, sorry, I'm like, you know, you're weird theater kids. We're the kids they think are weird. And we're proud of that. Um, we we want to reach out and show those kids they have a home and that there's career paths for them, not just in theater, but in all sorts of spaces and events and in theme parks and cruise lines and you name it. And so this is the beginning of some outreach to help build uh, our workforce of tomorrow starting in the high schools. But also it's part of our commitment to growing a more diverse workforce. Because if we, growing a workforce is a generational endeavor. You've got to start sooner to get people to understand there's hope for working in a career down the line. And that's part of our drive in, in outreach to the high schools. You know, it started a few years ago with the Jay Glarum uh, reading symposium. The entry level is designed for Mrs. McGillicuddy again, so that she can go in and learn how to safely operate the, the uh, manual fly system in their theater. This is just part of that outgrowth. And so I, I get really excited about the work that team has put together um, and that uh, Karen Greenfield here in our office has really helped uh, rein the technology to make that test accessible. Uh, and the price point of the test, we're designing it. Uh, my kids took a lot of AP exams. Let me tell you, 
we are costing a heck of a lot less than an AP exam. Um, and the schools, when they purchase the test for the students, can actually use it twice. So you can test the student at the beginning of the course, test the student at the end of the course, and begin to get a measurement of growth yeah. of their learning. You get a benchmark. You get a benchmark for everything. But that's so important. Um, also, so the kid themselves has the opportunity to see some growth and see that they can accomplish something. Yeah, from, from a safety perspective, it's fantastic because you, you instill knowledge and skills right from the beginning because so many of us ended up in this industry because we fell in love with doing this in high school. Yeah. And, and this gives them a foundation for, for careers in the future. Well, and I think it gives them a foundation to, from a safety standpoint, to look at anything you do. I mean, mm -hmm. my, my kids, I'm really proud of them. They were, my older son's doing a master's in aerospace engineering and his younger brother's a chemist, but they were raised in a theater environment of safety. And so I'll watch them walk into a place and sort of take a, 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 a little safety look. Is there a trip hazard in my lab? Is there- Where's the exit? <laughs> Where's the exit? And you know, now that my older son is make, moving to hydrogen to run this jet engine he's researching on, I'm like, please know where your exits are. <laughs> At least so we'll know what you got blown through. Um, but I think that's important. I think instilling that sense of community working, of communication and of, of looking out that safety is everyone's responsibility. It's not about going, oh, you didn't do that. No, look, this cable needs to be dealt with. Yep. That's and all of our responsibility to create that space for us all. And it's wonderful that those resources are going to the teachers as well. So that, you know, because they don't always, theater teachers don't end up always getting there because they specialized in theater, you know. Oh, dear Lord, no, they're getting English their history. dollars a year. Right, um, exactly. So it gives them a little bit of structure, shall we say. Yeah, and that's really important. And, and again, it, it, it comes because we've got this amazing team of people who are willing to jump in there and create this and make a better world for us all. Uh, so listeners, if you want to know more about that, go to the USITT website and search for, I think backstage it's Backstage Exam. Backstage Exam. So... So I keep I, jumping over Steve and I, I want to make sure that Steve has a chance to ask any, <laughs> any questions. <laughs> I feel like I'm a podcast listener this time. I'm just <laughs> listening to you guys and I'm kind of nerding out and, you know, David, I, I'm still luxuriating in your warm glow, thinking about how we're going to feel um, literally this time next week when yeah. our summit will be done and we'll be doing, you know, taking down the stuff that we had just directed. So it is really nice to see you with a big smile. It's nice to have one. It's nice not to wake up at four in the morning making lists. Um, yeah, <laughs> don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Oh yeah, uh, that, that, that is one of the words I used. I used a lot more. Um, it, re it reminded, it sounded a lot like duck tree a lot of times when I'd wake up at four in the morning. Um, <laughs> and so um i uh, you know it is i will tell you this i'm a lot older than the last time i did one of these events the recovery time is longer than you think 
Um, I do remember I got home on Sunday um, after everything, and I went to bed at 8.30 and did not move for 11 hours. And I got up, I made coffee, and then I took a nap. <laughs> so just warning. Sleeping. It's a tough horse to get back on. I should play this podcast for my parents because we're going from Lidditz on Thursday afternoon up to my parents' house. And <laughs> I think they're going to expect us to be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. <laughs> no, you'll be closed-eyed and closed-eyed and on your tail is what you'll be. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 it's so worth it as an event producer to see the joy of people. That is so worth it. And to, you're reminded why we do it. And that's, that's really exciting. And so, you know, thank you for being there. Thank you for being part of the excitement. Um, because that, that's what makes associations and organizations work, is getting the people together in the same space. And, and holy crap, we did it. And we're yeah, going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of doing things again, uh, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, podcast suggestions, go ahead and send us an email at podcast.eventsafetyalliance.org. You can check out our website, eventsafetyalliance.org, or find us on social media. We'd love to interact with you there. Uh, as we've mentioned uh it's been conference season, so you may have seen us at places like ActSafe, USATT, SETC, or our very own Event Safety Summit. We would uh, love to engage with you guys uh, in any way that you have us, because we have also desperately missed those connections. Um, so, uh, David Grendel, thank you so much for all you and your team and all of your sponsors did for USITT. It was a great experience. Uh, we didn't even get to talk to, about vendors, but we're coming up on oh, time. We can come back on another one. Of those. <laughs> those are amazing people whose, whose dedication to our industry and our association, I can never, ever thank enough. Um, Absolutely. So best wishes with the summit. Um, I know it's going to be brilliant and um when you wake up four or five days afterwards, I look forward to catching up on it. <laughs> Excellent. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Thank you, everybody. Stay safe out there. <laughs>